Welcome to the Measuring What Matters podcast. Measuring What Matters is an independent community forum for nurturing dialogue and critical conversations associated with community performance metrics. Join me, Marshall McCallum, as I interview individuals entrenched in change-making in Calgary. Our guests are passionate about community prosperity, well-being, and how to measure it. Measuring What Matters is a project of the City X Lab, hosted and powered by the Institute for Community Prosperity at Mount Royal University. For more information on the project, visit measuringwhatmatters.ca. Hi there, my name is Marshall McCallum, and welcome to the Measuring What Matters podcast. Uh, today with me, I have Colin Jackson, who is a founding member of Calgary On Purpose. How are you doing today, Colin? Extraordinarily well. But you know, it's just such a remarkable time, Marshall. It's a time that's important, it's consequential. What we do matters. It's also a time of real grief. The discovery of the bodies of the children, the smoke, the world is burning. So on the one hand, we're at a time in the world where what we do is important. And oh my gosh, we're called to do things. We're called to make a difference, to reconcile and renew our relationships. So yeah, it seems that was like, more of an answer than you wanted, my friend. Yeah, it seems like we're getting reminded constantly of uh, of the challenges, uh, like uh, not just with our society as it is today, but the global challenges that we've presented ourselves over the last uh, couple hundred years with the uh, Industrial Revolution, marching towards wh- where we've led into our climate uh, catastrophe. I think the, uh, I'm not going to recall his name, but he was the chief scientist in the UK, made the observation a few years ago that you, because you're a lot younger than I am, (laughs) and your cohort, and myself, if I get to hang around long enough, uh, we have some really big work. And he was observing that there's a, the uh, coming together of three major forces. One of them is the the population explosion. Another is the rise of the middle class, which is wonderful for the people who are rising in China and elsewhere, but it's not so wonderful for energy consumption and material consumption. And the third, of course, is climate change, which I think kind of segues into our topic, which what is prosperity? What is a good community? Exactly, yeah. Uh, would you mind starting by um, giving our audience uh, an idea of your background as it relates to uh, to well-being? Well, my background is I had a very fortunate career in the arts and broadcasting for, for many years, uh, initially in theater and then somewhat broadening out from that. Um, and the, the joy of that is that what it's about is telling our story, hearing our story, trying to understand our story, being being aware of just how important the story is, the stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what us is and what we want to achieve together. That's at the heart of, well, of the arts, but certainly of theater. That uh, it's, these are, these are lessons, if you like, um, parables, plays, uh, on how do we live well together? How do we fail to live well together? Um, so my life in a way has been, to both tell and observe and heal and hear the stories of how do we live well together. 
Yeah, it's been a a constant theme that's been echoed by many of our guests, uh, that subjective nature of uh, that's coming in and how we measure that, right? Because that's that's a real challenge, uh, trying to put a number on uh, how someone feels and it's trying to trying to uh, extrapolate a metric from a story. I guess the question I would ask is why is that the story we want to tell ourselves that the best thing can do we can do is reduce reduce quantify our feelings our relationships according to some kind of social science methodology that social science is a story too it's one way of viewing and framing but so is Buddhism so is you know a thousand different ways that we've um, thought about who we are and how we relate to each other. So in measuring what matters, I think, is really important, but it's also a bit of a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important because it helps the conversation, it helps the debate. It's really important because it causes the question, what matters? But it's a trap because what we fall into is the quick answer that, well, what matters is what can we measure? The economy. Okay, we're going to measure the economy. That's what matters. <laughs> and then we get into all kinds of strange stories and all kinds of self-deception. Uh, now, I'm not saying that economy doesn't matter. I've been very fortunate um, and I've had a, an economically blessed life. So don't get me wrong. I'm not being cute about, you know, earning a living and so on is unimportant. It's not. It's, it's very important for all kinds of reasons, obvious reasons, and for dignity and sense of self. But um, we have a tension, I think, in our city, in Calgary. We have a number of tensions. One of them is we know that what matters is people and relationships, but what we talk about is economy. So right now we're struggling with... Uh, shift in our economy, less based on oil and gas, more on other other things. Um, and we're engaging in that, but we're not necessarily considering what that looks like in terms of our relationships to each other. What's the emerging story, the new story of us, if it's not male, hierarchical, oil and gas, traditional business? What is the what possible new stories are there? And, of course, some of that is coming out. It's coming out through Black Lives Matter and through reconciliation and through women getting a little tired of the male hierarchical model and some men, too. But we have a tension in our city. So when we talk about what matters, well, immediately the default position is GDP Mm -hmm. as opposed to gross domestic happiness or other kind of metrics that have I've been bandied about. Um, and it's one of the great gifts that's sitting there, I think, for us to accept, as should we wish, from First Nations, which are, as you know, much more of a traditionally a collectivist society, less individualistic, uh, much more based on relationship to each other, to the land, to animals, to plants, part of a circle or web of life as opposed to the dominant figure who exploits from life that which he wants most of. Um, So it's one of the hopeful things, like reconciliation being not only that we can actually start to live better together on this land, First Nations and other peoples, 
but also that there's a heck of a lot of wisdom in that lived experience of you know having ten thousand years of ancestors on this land, and we've discarded that. Um, so what matters? Well, I think what matters is seeing each other. I think what matters is listening to each other. What matters is calming myself down so I'm not as afraid of you as I might otherwise be and more open to who you are. What matters is kindness, is empathy. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. measure empathy? Well, you can measure empathy. But what kind, it needs of, a different uh, what way. kind of metrics would you use? like For empathy? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean... I think there's just so many, but uh, let's you and I play with that a little bit. How would we measure empathy? I know one of the uh, one of the big metrics that's coming out of uh, a lot of the newer standards and newer systems yeah. is a measurement of how many individuals are volunteering their time. Uh, so, like that might be uh, a little bit of a, an empathetic movement in that in that pattern. It's it's that can be one, but I would. I mean, none of these are perfect, of course, because mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to go to a place where uh, you know, everybody is expected to behave to a certain standard. That's the, that's the problem we have right now, part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that there's a high level of volunteers, but there's nothing wrong with people who are um, spending time in quiet contemplation and, you know, trying to feel their presence and their presence in the world and, their, and the world around them. Different kind of empathy. It's not expressing itself by coming and helping you, but it is expressing itself by trying to become more one with the rest of life and who we are. So is that a useful uh, metric? Yeah, it can be, but it's, it's insufficient, as they all are. You know, they all are. What's another measurement for empathy? Well... I think it's in our language. It's how we speak to each other. It's what the debate is, what happens in the public square. Um, the more of the shaming, blaming, anger, discounting, and putting down, you know, that's not empathic. empathic. That's the opposite. It's uh, sociopathic. Um, so I would say a major measure could be how do we speak to each other through our media, social media, our newspapers and you know our conversations around a, a bottle of craft beer or whatever it is that we have conversations around yeah um, it, it seems to be uh, some of these metrics are going to be more kind of tangible because of what's going on with the internet of things right and that, that ability to actually measure the the accuracy of what words are being said and what what is being put out there maybe i'm not sure that's <laughs> Well, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, yes, of course, you can quantify what word is being used most, most often, all that kind of stuff. That's an easy harvest. But I'm not sure that means the person using it means the same thing as to this, mm-hmm. the same nuance that somebody else using yeah. it is. That actually re- uh, goes back into what well-being and prosperity means, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it is uh, very different definitions that we've seen across the world in different areas, right? Um, can you tell me what uh, community prosperity and well-being means to you? Like, what, what would you label it as, as for your definition? Oh, I think it's having a sense of purpose. It's having a strong sense of community at a, well, certainly at an immediate level, like in my immediate surrounds physically and emotionally. Um, I would hope to have community beyond that, but 
certainly, I think, fundamental to prosperity is having neighbors and friends and family uh, or people that play those roles um, in one's life. We are social beings and we need to have others in and around us. So density of community uh, and that then rolls back into how we treat each other. Uh, that the whole notion of being uh, empathetic and kindly towards each other, mm-hmm. having a having a strong sense of purpose, that what I am has some value, has some importance. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about grandiose. I mean, I'm one human being, and you're one human being of seven billion. So you know, there's we are but grains of sand, but. We are our grain of sand. I kind of like my grain of sand, and I hope to like your grain of sand. And you know, what the heck, it's, it's worth something. It's, it's good. It's good. Think and leaving a, and leaving a leg, leaving a legacy too. Yeah. I think now that could be because I'm a lot older than you are, and I think about legacy even more than somebody your age might. I'm assuming on your hair. But um, yeah, a couple of grays, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Give me a break. You're a sprout. Uh, but leaving a legacy I mean being part of something that's got I say meaning and purpose here and now so it's bigger than just me but also in terms of time longer than just me mm-hmm. that this cult of personality of the self that is uh, pretty toxic mm-hmm. in the now, western culture if yeah, I can bring it back go. to where you were talking yeah. about with um, a sense of purpose yeah. uh, now the first thing that comes to mind for me with a sense of purpose is obviously the occupation right? That that's kind of driven into western society is to have a purpose and impact you have to have an impactful job but um, do you think that there's a, a realm of uh, cultural uh, that uh, that can fit in there like uh, finding yourself uh, purposefully uh, by sharing your culture or by um, engaging more culturally oh my gosh absolutely i mean again that that's a, that's a bit of a trap to define yourself you know as, um the what is it, humanus economicus, or some phrase like that? The whole notion that our reason for being is our economic uh, productivity. Again, that goes right back to like, part of the challenge we have. And the pain we're feeling now is it doesn't work. It's not enough. It's insufficient. The world is burning. We have to change how we live with each other and how we extract resources and how we deal with our needs and wants because it's not going well. And there's a pain about that. So, a, sorry, go. You go. In a world that's so interconnected, I mean, the things that we do here have a have a massive impact or around the globe. Or uh, there's uh, things that can be done, like uh, a, a shift in the usage of coal in China can have massive effects on the greenhouse uh, that roams around the entirety of the, the earth. Um, do you think that there is? A, a metric system that would work or, or a, an ability to measure these prosperities or indicators that would work globally? Or does it have to be more community and, um, you know, tighter kind of based? Uh, just because oh. of the, the diversity that we do have as uh, different cultures and different individuals. It's yes and. Yeah. It's, it's both. Absolutely. I mean, work can have the most impact in my own life and then in my immediate surrounds. But do we need uh, national and international regulation and uh, agreements and accords? Absolutely. Because it's, it's absolutely yes. And I mean, a current example would be, uh, was it Richard Branson and his 
uh, flight into space. He wants to develop um, space tourism. Mm -hmm. But the, the mechanism for that rocket ship is it's a kind of rubber that's burned. And it produces a tremendous amount of carbon suit. Now, I'm not talking about carbon uh, in the sense of greenhouse. I'm talking about carbon particles. So here's this thing going up into the stratosphere, spewing out carbon particles. And if you have a thousand of those lifting off and doing that, it has, it will have an effect on the on the Earth's environment. So it's insane that here's this one guy who's getting to threaten the rest of our being. And I can't deal with that at a neighborhood level. I have to deal with that at a transnational level. We don't have the tools for that right now. So I give that as an example of is it is prosperity local and measured locally? Yes, absolutely. But we also have to, as you're suggesting, be conscious of the fact that it is one atmosphere. It is one biosphere that we're living on here. Yeah. So then yeah. going from the same, the same kind of sentiment, then that that same situation can be applied yeah. to the metrics that we use right now for economics um, yep. growth, right? Because right. with um, further GDP improvements, a lot of what is going into GDP is government spending. So it's not necessarily things that improve our economy. Um, right now, there's a ton of GDP that's being spent, like a ton of money that's going through the economy to fight wildfires, right? So that that's a growth in our GDP. But does that show that we're actually doing better? Like, you know, there's um, there's massive gaps and holes in those kind of things. So, so showing that you have a higher GDP than another country or another area doesn't give you uh, that kind of same relatability. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In itself, GDP doesn't necessarily measure. Well, it doesn't measure the important things. That's, oh gosh, it was one of the 17th century. It wasn't Locke or Smith? It was who was it? Anyway. Uh, made the point that um, diamonds are worth a great deal more than water, except diamonds are useless and water's unavoidably purposeful. You know, no water, you die. No diamonds, eh. but yet somehow diamonds are far more valuable than water. And that was you know, part of the sort of the, the work of the 17th and 18th century trying to figure out uh, economics and how it values what's valuable and how we get more of what's valuable and all that stuff. So you know, to your point, diamonds are expensive and pointless. Mm -hmm. um, it's a demand, right? So it, part of this then goes into the demand of, of happiness, the, de the demand for this community prosperity, which goes into an understanding of what that means. So for people to want it, then people have to understand what they're going to benefit from it. Yeah. Well, actually, if you said diamonds are pointless or not, but <laughs> I mean, you can use them for cutting stone and stuff. But anyway, um, see, I'm not sure that everybody's story is that the greatest good they can achieve is happiness. I think there's all kinds of examples of people who chose to live life otherwise, and they weren't pursuing, I mean, you could argue they're pursuing happiness. It made them fulfilled, so they were happy. If, you, if that's what you mean by happiness. But there's examples of people who've given up their lives for what they believed in. I mean, if we define that as making them happy, then okay. But I don't think that's what we usually mean. We usually mean something far more frivolous than that. You know, the, the, the martyrs in the early Christian church, well, actually all kinds of martyrs, um, to have, you know, they chose to 
to die for what they believe in. And, you know, often the case in military operations and so on, people die for their friends. Is that making them happy? I don't, I don't know, but it's it's a choice that they make. So uh, yeah, I think happiness depends how you define happiness. Fulfillment, maybe, is closer. I'm not sure that's right. But. So how would that then relate back into uh, that overall well-being, right? That overall prosperity that, that we're trying to achieve with uh, with these metrics. You know, should right. we should we discount happiness because it's so subjective? And I think you'd have to define happiness, which is partly to your point about how subjective it may be. Um, and you got to be cautious of it if it is only for that individual. Because again, have we taken the story of our individualism too far? Therefore, in the work you're doing, if you accept that, it is about what motivates the individual for her greatest happiness, then you're in a pretty libertarian space. And I think, um, you know, I don't see anything other than a cliff you're gonna drive off. Yeah, it doesn't work so well for a collectivist society. Well, we are 7 billion people on this earth, soon to be 9 billion. How are we going to figure this out if each person is maximizing their own individual happiness according to a narrow definition of happiness? I don't have any idea how that all comes together into something that is uh, richer. So it's, it's telling a different story about what happiness is. And it's, it's not like it's new or different. Most people, I think, are getting far more pleasure from their families, if they're fortunate to have one, from their friends, from a wonderful book or film that has meaning to them, from growing flowers. I mean, that, that these things are around us all the time. Um, I've spent a certain amount of time in, in Africa and the Caribbean, uh, among people who are materially very poor. And again, I'm not romanticizing it, but I've had great uh, empathy shown to me because they saw me and my friends as lonely and separated. These people who were financially very poor were relationally very rich. Now, not romanticizing it, uh, they were dying a lot younger than I am because of the lack of medical and other services. And, uh, but it's a very different view of what satisfaction, happiness, and community prosperity is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would argue that we have to go to a more community-based. So what's community prosperity? It's a, a community that is empathetic and caring for each other in it for those people within it. Mm -hmm. yeah, and having the conversation is part of what pulls us together. Oh, you know? yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, I mean, just engaging in that discussion and trying to understand somebody. And, and I guess that's part of the empathy, right? That's part of understanding the other individual's position and how they feel about things creates that community, that bond. Absolutely. No, I mean, no question. Um, so maybe one indication of a prosperous community is one where there's lots of crossover. So, for example, in Calgary, we speak about our diversity a lot. And there's a truth to that. You know, pretty well all the world's peoples and First Nations are here. 
but there's not a lot of exchange between those diversities. So we're diverse, but we're not necessarily exchanging and uh, building connectivity. We're kind of uh, rounding up um, our time here a little bit, sure. but I, I want to know a little bit more about um, what you would think uh, your best, uh, the best kind of metric system would be. So it, it kind of sounds like from our conversation a little bit that uh, the system that we have currently, uh, a lot of it we're trying to make adaptations of, uh, of an older system, a lot of it's still wrapping itself around uh, the economic measurements of GDP, GNP. Um, so how would you construct a system that would help us navigate this move into more uh, community-based measures of prosperity and well-being? Right. Um, and again, I wouldn't discount the economy. I'm just saying the primacy of the economy is, is where we've gone, where we're not headed well. We want once a vibrant economy to produce enough goods and services that people are relatively free of want. That's a good thing. Um, what do I think is important to measure? What do we want to encourage? What do we want to encourage? A sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, a sense of being part of a, a river of life that may continue after I'm gone so that I've made a contribution to that future that's going to come whether I'm part of it or not. Um, so what's worth measuring? Sense of purpose, sense of shared story. Because again, one of the mistakes I think we can make is think we need to have a story of Calgary. Uh, and that it instantly becomes colonial, always paternal, uh, because it's not a story. There's many stories, but they braid together. They form a very strong rope. If we listen to your point um, here and and um, respect the many stories that make us, then we can be a very strong uh, braided rope. Now, braided ropes also hurt your hands, by the way. If you've ever <laughs> sailed on a ship, uh, they can they can have little bits that stick out and cut you, yeah. and that's part of having shared stories too. Is that they're not all nice and all happy all the time. Mm -hmm. but being open for that uh, that conversation that's hard right? Right. To, to understand somebody's hurt and if you've done wrong uh, or done something that um, has been uh, impactful in a negative way to uh, to an individual being able to to hear their part of the story and move forward with them absolutely and i mean current example being the uh, reference at the beginning of the, the dead children that have been unmarked graves so that, that that hurts you know that, that that is obviously it's devastating for first nations friends but that's that hurts to think that our forefathers foremothers didn't even bother sending a note to the parents that their child had died i mean you can't look at that and not start to weep it's like oh my god that's us as well as the good things we've done and it's holding that that good stuff we've done and done for each other and but also not looking away from the dark stuff mm -hmm. that's when we become mature so i think that's one of the measures of a city or of a community does it actually embrace in an adult way its glories and its its pains and its failures um 
Yeah, how holistic is the conversation? I suppose that goes into diversity for um, for these kind of uh, connections as well, right? And the, the people that are in charge of uh, building these systems and trying to figure out the path that we want to go forward on. You know, if there isn't a diverse range of perspectives and individuals, then we can't have a, a collective holistic story. Right. And for a city that's as diverse as Calgary, uh, we're still very segmented and, you know, quadrant, right. as you as you mentioned, uh, it's difficult to bring all of those people in together to have that uh, that community conversation and that discussion about a shared path forward. Yeah, I think you're, to me, you're pointing towards a, a set of metrics, mm-hmm. which ones I would like. Well, I'm uh, I'm incredibly hopeful. Uh, that just oh, yeah. might be uh, that just might be my own detriment, but I'm always very hopeful that uh, we are moving in the right direction and that uh, things are going to be uh, benefiting in in the long run, especially with this project. Um, it's it's a bit ambitious, <laughs> uh, but really bringing together all of these different organizations and the, the city itself and everyone coming together for this, trying to really sit down and have the conversations that we need to have. I am a hundred percent with you. So yay you, <laughs> yay you. Well, I, I want to say yay you as well, Colin. And thank you so much uh, for being with us today.